Student Affairs Live. I'm your host, Tony Duty, and I'm pleased to be joining you from my professional home at Rutgers University. We broadcast on the Higher Ed Live Network, and you can tune into Student Affairs Live on Wednesdays at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. In a moment, I'll introduce you to our guests, but we can't do that without first giving a shout out to sponsors that make Student Affairs Live possible. Higher Ed Live is produced by M. Stoner, a digital first agency committed to tailored solutions that drive real results. Are you looking to improve your institution's digital marketing strategy and execution? To be successful, today's higher ed marketer must make data-driven decisions and connect digital performance back to strategic and financial goals. Educate your entire team in the latest digital marketing strategies and trends on December 6th during M. Stoner's Digital Marketing for Higher Education Online Conference. We'll be tweeting out a link to learn more about the conference shortly. This broadcast is also sponsored by ACPA, College Student Educators International, Support for Student Affairs Live is one of the many ways ACPA provides innovative professional development. Visit myacpa.org to discover additional personal and professional development opportunities. Also want to take a moment to thank Kate Zulo and Robin Janice who are helping to monitor the back channel and forwarding to me your best content and questions from the Twitterverse. And finally, I'm very pleased to have joined us today Dallin George Young and Mark Allen Poisel. So I, I'd like to start off by having each of you briefly describe your current role and what, what got you interested in this topic. I'll, I'll start from left to right. Uh, start with you, Dallin. Sure. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on the, uh, the program. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, to give you a sense of uh, who I am, I am the Assistant Director for Research, Grants, and Assessment. I work at the National Resource Center for the First Year Experience and Students in Transition, located here at the University of South Carolina. Um, and how did I come to this topic? Um, there's kind of three ways in which I became interested in senior capstone experiences. The first was um, based on uh, my, my research. Uh, I started my research journey during doing uh, research on master's programs in student affairs. And uh, one of my projects on student affairs master's programs was trying to understand how culminating experiences in master's programs were related to student outcomes. So, for example, if you did comps versus a thesis versus a portfolio, would you have better outcomes in certain areas? And there was some research that we had done that, that suggested that maybe if you did a thesis, you might have better research outcomes as, a, as an example. Um, we found out from that study that uh, really what, what we found out from that study is that the people who responded who didn't have any culminating experience had the lowest average ratings compared to people who participated in other culminating experiences. So, in other words, kind of the results were suggesting that doing something was better than uh, doing nothing, right? Mm -hmm. So, the second uh, place that I came to uh, an interest in this topic was from my uh, professional experience in, in, in higher education. Um, one uh, example of that in particular comes from when I was working at California College of the Arts. About this time every year, uh, students were passing out postcards inviting you to their senior shows. And it was kind of a big deal every spring to go to the senior shows. And it got me thinking about, you know, how do students um, build to this point where they're, they're, they're putting their uh, most representative work forward? Um, how do they develop to this point? And how do they develop the skills needed to, um, A, produce the, the works, but also to think about how do you curate a show uh, around the works that you've done? And then finally, uh, the third thing is my, my current position at the National Resource Center focuses on student transitions very broadly. And so um, I noticed through, um, through some uh, readings I've been doing here that 
student transition support was kind of bookended in four-year colleges and universities, primarily the first year and then at the senior year. So I kind of wanted to know more about how these uh, experiences at the at the kind of the tail end of the undergraduate experience form part of the overall undergraduate experience and how did that connect to these student learning outcomes. Excellent. All right, Mark Allen. Hi, I am the Vice Chancellor for Student Affairs at the University of Arkansas at Little Rock. And I've come into it uh, from a couple different perspectives. So 30 years ago, when I was a senior uh, in a college of business, I had an amazing management professor, a faculty member, who we took an entire class about taking the reality of what we learned in the classroom, taking it out and applying it in, in the real world. How were we gonna use everything we'd learned in our degree? And he put us in groups and it was very practical and it was that transition piece of, you've learned it from the books, now let's talk about reality. And, and that kind of really sparked a lot of conversations. And so at the end of my master's program, I was actually um, an advisor in a college of business. And I was working with young people who were not ready to transition out. They weren't ready to figure out how to apply what I've learned, but also the practical things on how to live. They, you know, they were trying to figure out, you know, just the basics. How do I look for a job? How do I interact with colleagues? How do I serve on a team? You know, how do I get rent? You know, how do I uh, get an apartment, pay my bills? You know, what's the benefits? You know, do I need retirement at 22? All these kinds of things that made me realize that uh, we weren't helping them transition to their next level and what that was going to be both personally and professionally. And so I actually started a group uh, with students helping them transition into what I call the real world. Nice. So not only bringing all the academic components together, but uh, presenting some adulting training, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. We kind of, it, it was building what I call the graduation strategy map. How do you get from you know, the actual ceremony and the graduation piece to what happens next. Excellent. So, so let's start off with the, with the basics. Mark Allen, can you share with us some traditional examples of uh, what would typically be a capstone experience? Sure. I, you know, I think that uh, different schools have really been looking at these in different ways. I think there's the curricular piece, whether it's a culminating experience in a class like I had in a management class, whether it's a culminating project, uh, you know, a lot of them um, from a curricular perspective. In some cases, it's an internship in that last year. I mean, think about what happens in education, right, where we put them in the classroom and they have that, that sort of experience. And so I think there's, there's the curricular pieces of it. And then I think there's the, that co-curricular side of it. You know, some schools are really starting to work with students in that senior year. And it's not, it's more than just getting a job. It's developing those skills. And so some uh, institutions right now are doing what they call badges. And so the student goes through a particular program, they learn networking skills and they get a badge or they, uh, you know, they learn how to do the resume or, you know, they learn um, analytical skills applied in a work environment. And uh, they're able to then document that for those students so that the students can say, we've had these kinds of experiences. We're beginning to make that transition. Uh, you know, some schools have been doing co-curricular transcripts and they put that at the end of the transcript. They've completed this, so they have this certification. Uh, so I think that there's, there's opportunities both on the curricular side of things and the co-curricular side about really how we develop these types of experiences. I think part of the challenge for our students is, is figuring out what they've learned in the classroom and how does it apply to that next step while they're figuring out what that next step really is. Yeah, there's, there's two things that I'd like to add to what Mark Allen said. And 
One is uh, the use of like some sort of a culminating exam. Uh, I think, uh, you know, about the, the education example, there's, there's the student teaching where we put the students in the classroom, but then there's also like the praxis exam that they might take as a culminating experience to, to demonstrate that they have learned all of the things that we want them to be able to know and do once they enter the classroom. And there's plenty of examples of things like that, like the NCLEX for nurses is an example. The other thing that, that I want to, to uh, amplify that, that Mark Allen said, particularly about the things that happen outside of the classroom, a lot of the co-curricular types of uh, culminating experiences end up being a notation on a, on, a, on a diploma or on a transcript. For example, uh, finishing the honors college uh, process sometimes has a, a designation on the diploma. Um, I know here at the University of South Carolina, we have this thing called graduation with leadership distinction. Now, you know, we can call that co-curricular necessarily in one academic program, but it might be administered by an academic department. And sometimes the lines get a little bit blurry in, in these kinds of areas. But um, I think that's an important thing to, to, to add to what Mark Allen said. Well, there's one other thing I, you made me think of is, you know, a lot of schools are doing the e-portfolio piece mm -hmm. where they use that and throughout their time, students actually collect that information they're developing that portfolio so that the end that culmination is, is something that they can share with somebody and that's a clear documentation not only of these activities that might have given them badges but what they've done their internships their study abroad those sorts of things i know in my master's program as part of it we had to actually do a portfolio to complete the master's degree and it was literally a combination of our papers of our internships of our practicums reflection on on all of that that basically was kind of hey you turn this in what have you learned in the last two years we, we actually got a quick question from Twitter about badges and I know badges came along probably a, a decade ago but the, but the question from Twitter is in, in what form have campuses used badges are they physical or virtual so the ones I've seen I mean I, and again I think there's uh, different schools are doing it different ways uh, you know a lot of them are doing it kind of it's a notation on a transcript. If they have a co-curricular transcript, they have a little section of badges and those sorts of things. Some schools give them their certificate, right? You know, sometimes students want a piece of paper. And so, you know, here's their certificate uh, and the badge. It really depends, up, I think, on the institution, what's appropriate for the institution, what, what resources are available. Uh, if you've got co-curricular transcripts, you're going to see a lot of it in that format. Um, other schools are just going to kind of do it what really resonates. And in some cases, it's both. I mean, I've been places where there's a kind of a ceremony at the end, right? And the students all get their little badges and they get their little certificates. So they get one certificate, you know, it's got all the badges on it. Um, it really just depends on the institution. It made me think too, Mark Allen, the, the, you know, when, when Tony, when you first asked this question, I imagined that people would have like a, a merit badge ceremony. Yeah, that, yeah. Right? <laughs> Scouts, right? Uh, <laughs> So I, I, I made me think about like, what are the badges that we have that kind of exist at the end of the, of the undergraduate experience? And I think about honors cords and I think about the, the medals or the badges that people really do uh, kind of wear to represent um, the culmination of an experience. And so I think that, you know, while I think that might not be exactly what Mark Allen is talking about or, uh, or what this person is asking about, but I think that those are maybe opportunities for institutions to, to have a very physical representation of something that, you know, might exist digitally or might exist conceptually. Um, but students are super proud of those things. I mean, 
faculty are proud of those things. I see people uh, who are faculty at commencement wearing honors cords from when, you know, from their uh, previous educational experiences, even though it, it might not be what the intent of those things were, uh, they continue to, to uh, include that as part of their academic regalia. Well, I think too, there, there are some schools that are really trying to make it in addition to a co-curricular transcript or a transcript, because that's something you can show an employer and it's documented and it's formalized and it's not something that you created in your, you know, with your own little printer in your back office, right? And so, um, you know, as institutions are thinking about developing those essential and critical skills for those seniors as they go out, they also want to document it. It might add to, you know, their portfolio when they're interviewing with an employer that says, I've completed training in X, Y, and Z. It may or may not make a difference, but it's interesting as more and more employers are looking for that type of credentialing, however you formulate the credential, it's nice to be able to do it in a formalized way so that the students can take it with them and it, they can show an employer and it doesn't look like something that you know they printed themselves. So, Dallin, Mark, Mark Allen talked about the, the what of, of Capstone Senior Year Experiences. I want you to talk a little bit about why. Like, what purpose do they serve and, and what are some of the common traits and characteristics that they share? Yeah, I think to, to answer that question, Tony, we have to kind of go back to the beginning. Um, the whole universe was in a dark, dense state. Maybe that's not, maybe that's still too far back. Uh, we need to start talking about like, what is it, what's happening in the senior year, right? Um, uh, seniors are, are, are at the end of the academic uh, experience or the end of their uh, undergraduate experience. And, you know, they, they, they face a lot of kind of, there's it's kind of an interesting cocktail of emotions that these uh, seniors are facing. They, they, they're facing the excitement of completing their, their course of study. They're, they're excited about what the next steps have in store, whether that's the career, whether that's a professional or graduate school. Um, and they, they have the opportunity to, to demonstrate who they've become and, and all of the skills and, and knowledge that they've mastered. Um, there's opportunities to engage in, in leadership. You know, I think about presidents of student organizations or ha this is happening in the senior year. And so these, there's, there's a, a real opportunity for students to develop, to um, demonstrate who they are, a confidence in all of these things. But on the other hand, the, the senior year can be really scary, right? There's lots of opportunities um, for anxiety about the unknown. Like, what will life be like after college? Um, am I gonna get a job? Is this job going to allow me to live the lifestyle that I want to live? And, and what social bonds will still exist, right? Like, am I going to, are these people still going to be my friends uh, once I move on? And so I think what happens is that colleges and universities see this as an opportunity in one sense um, to, to, to capitalize on all of these things. So it's the last chance to educate students. It's an opportunity to find out if the students have learned what we hoped that they learned. Um, it's a chance to check in to see if the, if they have demonstrated all of these things that were going to help them um, in the real world, like Mark Allen said earlier, um, do they have the key skills, the critical thinking, the communications, the teamwork, the, the leadership skills that uh, employers want from graduates. Um, so we need to know, we need to find out if these uh, students are going to be successful in whatever those next steps are. Um, and then I, I also think that it's important not to overlook the fact that it's important to institutions to know that we have solidified that these people the, their connection to the institution. Are they going to be um, engaged and committed alumni? So once you kind of understand what's going on with the students and kind of what the institution is, is hoping to be able to do to capitalize on, on all of these things, it's, it becomes a little bit clearer why institutions might offer capstone experiences, right? It's a chance to offer high level integrative thinking. 
um, I think there's also an opportunity to, to act as something of a gatekeeper, right? So are the students who are graduating from this management program, are they going to be a good representative of this program once they've graduated? And it's kind of like the last chance to make sure that they've learned what we've wanted them to learn, right? So uh, we can say, yeah, you know what, Dallin, that was, that was okay, but it wasn't good enough. So we need to figure out how we can make that good enough. Um, uh, it, it's also, like I said earlier, it's, it's, it's important not to underestimate the importance of rites and rituals in the academy, right? Having an experience that is culminating or that serves as a capstone sends a really strong cultural signal. Um, and it represents a milestone for the, for the students. Um, that these people, that, that the students have become full participants in whatever community of practice or um, whatever discipline that they've been working in. Um, so that's what these capstone experiences offer, and not only in the classroom, but in, in uh, these experiences outside of the classroom as well. So, Mark Allen, you, you are the practitioner on, on this episode, so I want to direct this question to you. How there's so much that can be done in the senior year. How, how does an institution develop, a, or how can an institution develop a cohesive approach to all this? And who, if anyone, should take the lead in organizing it? You know, I, I do think it does need to be a, an institutional endeavor. Uh, one of the things about the Capstone experiences, as you look at them, we realize that all of our students are different. And so the types of experiences they may have in capstone are going to be different. And so it's really hard to create a single capstone experience that's going to apply to every single graduate. And so I think one of the ways is, is you have to look at it from institutional perspective. You bring you know, your faculty and your curricular folks together. You bring your student affairs folks together. Um, you might even bring you know, some of your research faculty together, your graduate school faculty. You really bring a group of people together and you talk about what are some intentional kinds of experiences that you can create? In some places, you know, they, uh, each college might have their own, right? And so they, they do some certain things with their majors. It may be at the departmental level. But then there's this institutional piece of it that really is the outside of the classroom piece. As we think about our co-curricular partnerships and the student affairs, academic affairs partnerships, if we really want to create that strategy map, getting students all the way through to whatever their next step is, whether it's graduate school, whether it's, whether it's employment, uh, being able to do that is a really important thing and understanding that their needs might be different, right? And then helping them develop their needs depending on which way they wanna track. I think it's really important and I think you really wanna make sure that you've got a group of faculty involved because a lot of times in that senior year, there is a lot of coaching and mentoring going on and that's a real important role that faculty can play particularly if a student is doing undergraduate research with them, if they're you know, working with them through an international experience, whether it are, you know, they're just helping them and that's their mentor, it's really important for us to recognize those pieces and being able to say and, and talk across the institution uh, to be able to figure out what those pieces are sharing. One, you don't wanna duplicate, you do wanna maximize resources as much as possible and allow uh, different people to kind of focus on different ways. And some of it is a requirement component. I mean, if you look, there are some programs that require this culminating experience in order to graduate, you must complete it. There's others that don't. We also want to think about as we think about, you know, what those next steps for students, is it, you know, what is that career path and is it graduate school, is it not? And helping them tie that in with their leadership experience, in with their involvement, in with their internships, to really kind of build that pathway for them so that at the end, 
not only do they feel successful, they've got a, a great experience to be able to talk about, you know, as they go into employment or graduate school. So is it a, a committee, a task force that, that you might recommend come together? Like, have you seen a, a dedicated department that deals with this? Uh, a dedicated department, not necessarily. I've normally have seen it as much more collaborative piece. I've seen the academic side. So for example, within a college of business, they have certain things that students must do in order to graduate from the college of business. You know, they go to a resume writing workshop, they do an internship, you know, they're building out that piece of it. Um, but then there's the co-curricular side. And I think that's the best of both worlds. Is it, whether you call it a task force or a committee to get it started and running, I think that co-curricular piece, and I have seen some schools that really have a committee that focuses on co-curricular, whether it's first year, second year, third year, they're really finding those ways to bridge those gaps. A lot of times there's a, there is a committee at some schools where it's very formalized and it has to go through an approval process. You know, this is gonna be a capstone, it's gotta go through approval. It then becomes documented and puts on the student's transcript. And so I think it depends on the level of formality for the institution and how they formalize it. Is it just an informal thing where, you know, a group is doing it, they're providing these services, students are voluntarily taking advantage of them, or is it much more formalized and it's a checkbox on a degree audit to make sure that the student has completed it. It really depends on, on the institution uh, and within programs within that. I mean, it, for example, in education, it may be that they've got to develop this complete portfolio before that they're able to graduate. And so it really just depends on on the institution and, and the focus. Yeah, I want to chime in here a little bit to say that I, you know, I've seen examples of uh, campus-wide types of capstones that are available to all students depending, irrespective of whatever um, academic discipline they're studying in. Um, that I, I'm thinking of an example here on campus where it, it wasn't set up to be a senior capstone experience. It was really a part of our uh, accreditation process. We had a quality enhancement plan to uh, focus on integrative learning and to integrate the in-class and out-of-class experiences. But really what the what has given the program a lot of life was this culminating uh, opportunity to have a graduation with leadership distinction. You know, to be able to document the opportunity, all of the the experiences that they've had across their uh, undergraduate experience in an integrated sort of a way to be able to have that show up on their transcript and on their diploma. Um, and so it became a bit of a senior capstone experience, but couched in this bigger question of how do we integrate the, the, the totality of the undergraduate experience. So I think that's, so that uh, I think is a really interesting um, a model for people to follow that could be uh, implemented at the campus-wide level or it could be implemented um, in colleges of engineering or colleges of education, wherever, uh, to, to think about how you can um, have a hook, so to speak, to, uh, to use the senior capstone as a hook or the badge or the credential or whatever you want to call it as a hook to uh, achieve some of these, these larger undergraduate outcomes that we want students to have when they graduate. So a, another question related from, from the Twitterverse here, someone is asking, you know, badges or saying badges are great, but do they mean anything to employers? So I don't know if there's any research out there, uh, perhaps that's some uh, potential future research to, to know if employers are hiring really consider these kind of experiences and badges. I think some of the, you know, the, the badges are a response uh, 
to one, as Dolan said, it's it's a it's a hook for students, right? They want they want something. They want to know that they they've done something and they and they've gotten something from it. Uh, and so that was a part of it. But you know, the whole idea of the co-curricular transcript was a way to document for employers and others what students are doing and what they're learning outside of the classroom. There are some schools, University of Arizona is one of them, you know, that has developed that and developed them in a formalized way because they had a response from employers. Employers wanted to know the skills. I mean, if we think about what we're hearing right now from employers is, you know, we want students that can communicate, that can work on a team, that can collaborate, you know, that, that can think analytically, that can uh, be critical in their thinking. They're looking for that because they're, they're not seeing that, right? And so I think that there are some that are going to look at it and say, hey, this student has done that little bit of extra. This student has had some experiences outside of the classroom in a formalized, documented way. I, I think it really is going to depend on the employer, but it certainly has been one response from higher education to let employers know that we are doing additional things. It's not we're not just teaching them literature. We are trying to help them get ready for that next experience and focus on those critical skills. Some people call them soft skills. Some people call them essential skills. You know, that's what employers are looking for, or they say they're looking for. And so the idea of that documentation is, is what the response from higher ed. I don't know about formalized research. I know there's been discussions, particularly in the career field, um, in those groups to say, hey, there's something else we need to do. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Mark Allen, in, in, in terms of, you know, this is certainly something that, that needs to be researched in terms of, you know, what, what difference does it actually make in, uh, in, in terms of, like, what, do employers look at these things? And I think it's spotty. I think if some employers are, are very interested in these things. I think some employers would never ask you for your academic transcript or a co-curricular transcript. Um, but I do think that what, regardless, um, what these things tend to do is give students language of, through which they can talk about the skills that they've developed. So if I graduate and I go to a, a, an interview, I can say, yeah, I developed competence in teamwork. And here, here are three examples of, of, uh, of ways that I have engaged in teamwork and in leadership and in problem solving and all of these critical, essential skills that, uh, that we want students to have when they graduate and employers want when they graduate. That's a great point. Certainly going through the exercise to put it all together help, you know, helps them as they go through the interview process. Now, D Don, I know you co-authored the 2016 National Survey um, of Senior Capstone Experiences Report, which is due to be released soon, sometime Literally, soon. Literally, so here, this is what I was going to show. I have, I have the proof copy in my hands. And uh, it should come out uh, literally any day now. So maybe in the next couple of weeks, we'll have those uh, uh, available. Outstanding. All right, so we will put that link um, so folks can go, go purchase that uh, once you have it out there on the website. Can, can you share with the audience some of the key takeaways from that report? Yeah, I think there's uh, maybe five key takeaways that, that I can share. Um, the first is that the senior capstone is present pretty much everywhere on campus. Uh, not only everywhere on campus, but on almost every campus on, uh, uh, that responded to the survey. Um, in some ways, that kind of makes this thing hard to study because it literally exists in all corners of the campus and it exists everywhere. So it, it becomes really unwieldy. It's not like a, a first year program where there might just be like a first year office on campus, like a first year seminar or something like that. Um, so that's one thing that we found out. Um, the second thing um, 
is we came up with a, a new typology for senior capstone experiences. Um, we based it on, uh, and it's showing on the screen now. So we looked at previous research uh, that had been done uh, here at the center and around other uh, capstone experiences. And we wanted to uh, find a way to capture the breadth of these experiences across campus. And so that's one, that's I, I think a really important thing that has come out of the result of the of this of the survey the next thing is that we found that and this may come as no surprise that ca capstone experiences are primarily offered in academic departments but as courses mm -hmm. so something like 96 percent of institutions reported offering um capstone uh Based, uh, discipline based courses as capstone experiences in their academic departments. Um, so you can see that, you know, they're, they're, they're widespread, uh, not only in uh, the, the University of Higher Education, but the course is, is the predominant mode. Um, but there are also other types that are, that are being used uh, uh, across, the, uh, across the, the higher education landscape. Um, the, the third thing, I'm sorry, the fourth thing that we learned is that about half of the respondents offered capstone experiences in some sort of a co-curricular department. Uh, mostly those were in honors programs, but they also show up in like leadership, uh, service learning, career centers, pre-professional organizations, and a non-significant, I'm sorry, a non-trivial and significant number of, of capstone experiences, as you can see on the screen, show up in student athletics and in Greek life, which which might be as a, uh, come as a surprise to, to those of us who uh, didn't know that this is a, this was a thing that was happening. Um, those are typically service learning and community-based projects, um, but these exist um, in a lot of places, like I said, across campus and in, uh, in some really interesting places that might not be in uh, strictly academic departments. And then the final, the, the final thing that I'll say that uh, was, a, was a takeaway is there's a really interesting I'll call it a disconnect. You might you might argue that that term um, between institutional goals for the senior year and what institutional individual goals for capstone experiences are. And what do I mean by that is when we ask it when we ask respondents to tell us about what the institution level goals for the senior year would be, they were telling us about uh, the, the graduation, job placement, professional graduate school enrollment. Those were the the key metrics that they were, uh, those were the key outcomes that they wanted for the senior year. But when we asked about goals for capstone experiences, they were really more about critical thinking. They were about integrative learning, academic skills, career preparation, writing skills. So there's a couple of ways to interpret this. One is that it can mean that institutions aren't, aren't very well coordinated or sophisticated when it comes to understanding uh, what their uh, outcomes of the senior year should be. Because really, things like graduation and job placement really are, are byproducts of the educational endeavor that we're, that we're, you know, that's kind of what we're, we want, we want to educate people, we want to make sure that they're prepared for that. But if we do our job and we focus on these uh, learning outcomes, those things will kind of take care of themselves. Um, it, it also um, means that sometimes that, um, that while capstones might be the most easily identified senior year initiative, it might not be that institutions are capitalizing on the opportunities um, to use this, the capstone experience as the primary vehicle for achieving these institution-wide goals of critical thinking, integrative learning, and things like that. So I understand from, from some of the resources you shared with me, Dallin, that 
40 years ago, we would have found a really small percentage of schools offering these kind of experiences. Do we have an idea how many employ these experiences now? Like I said a second ago, probably, probably everyone. Uh, you know, it's, I think the, we found that literally 99% of respondents said that they had some sort of a capstone experience on their campus. Um, I think the figure you're, you're quoting, it refers to uh, the work by Art Levine, um, like in the, in, the, in the 70s, about 3% were doing these capstone experiences. And, and I think what he was talking about is like the academic course uh, of a capstone experience. And I think even still, the, the, the growth is phenomenal because right now we're talking about 90% or more institutions have some sort of a, a, a course-based capstone experience. Um, but I think that, you know, the reason for that growth uh, comes in a, in a couple of ways. Uh, one is the 1998 report by the Boyer Commission on uh, the undergraduate experience in research universities, uh, highlighting that a senior capstone experience was a promising practice. Um, the, I think that we, we saw a lot of movement in this area once the AAC&U, the Association of American Colleges and Universities, listed senior capstone experiences as one of their 10 high-impact practices. Um, Nessie has got a lot of good research that shows that students who participate in capstone experiences have uh, greater than uh, high levels of, of engagement. So I think this is kind of what has led to the, the kind of nearly ubiquitous uh, adoption of these capstone experiences. So Mark Allen, I, on, on a previous episode that I did on high impact practices, I, I asked how can we scale this in an economic way for folks to, so that every student has the opportunity to have a high-impact practice. How do we do that with capstone experiences? Because certainly some are more resource intense than others. Well, I think part of it goes back to my earlier comments that we have to think about that as capstone experiences and that every student doesn't have to have the same exact experience. And so, you know, uh, if it's curricular and it's in the course, those students or that that college is doing it and and they're doing something for their students, um, and I think we have to think about it from from that perspective. That you know, if you're at a large institution, you're not going to put every student through the same kind of experience. And I think the key piece, though, and I think why I talked about that collaborative committee is, it's determining how every student will have an experience not that every student has to have the same experience. Um, you know, I mean, certainly, you know, we're in student affairs in my student activities area, we're changing our programming model and our model, you know, is going to focus on seniors and is on these kind of graduation strategies and this kind of programming. So we're, we're rethinking how we do general kind of programming, certainly making it fun and engaging, but again, that practical component and how do we manage that? Well, that ties to what's happening in our College of Business and the programming that they're doing. And so we're actually finding ways to not only share resources, but share levels of expertise. Our leadership program that's got, you know, 600 students in it, you know, they do some similar kinds of experiences. Well, if they're doing it, then somebody else doesn't have to. So it's really kind of figuring out the right ways to share resources across the campus, making sure you're communicating and across your institution, sharing information, finding ways to partner, but also realizing that a lot of it can be through service learning, internships, you know, co-ops, academic experiences, student affairs kinds of experiences, what's happening in your career services. You know, there's lots of ways um, to do that. 
Um, there are some schools, quite frankly, that have found pieces and parts that are really valuable for students. And so there's an extra charge. So if they're doing, for example, career services is doing a, a, an etiquette dinner, right? And a networking reception. And so they really are teaching students that component. There might be a $10 charge to pay for the cost of that component, but that way they can invite a lot more people to participate, right? And so there's lots of different methodologies. Everybody's trying to kind of figure out the easy way to do it. Um, I think the focus really has to be on, on thinking about your programmatic model. What are those essential skills? What is it you want and the learning outcomes out of your capstone experiences? And then that helps the institution begin to figure out, do they need to allocate resources to that? Is it predominantly a curricular experience? Is there something you can do co-curricularly? Is there something you partner with employers to do? Some schools have gotten employers to sponsor the etiquette dinners and receptions and the networking because that's gonna help them as they work with their future students. So I think there's lots of ways that we can really be creative around how to build these experiences. I mean, so, I really, go ahead. Oh yeah, I, I, one thing that I'm thinking about too as Mark Alice talking about this is that I, I don't think that there's, there might not be a shortage of these opportunities across campus and one way to quote unquote scale this up is really about doing an audit of where do these programs live yeah. and who's who's doing them and where are some natural linkages that we can you know um, make sure that we that we're not systematically disadvantaging one one group of students but that you know if if Mark Allen is doing an etiquette dinner over here uh, in in the College of Business and I'm trying to do the same thing in the Career Center and we don't know that we're doing the same thing um, is there an opportunity for us to to, to collaborate and to, to have a much wider reach and to really have some economies of scale that way. I love that idea. And, and it goes back to what you spoke about earlier, Mark Allen, with the strategy map, right? It's really bring all the, it's aligning all your competencies across the entire institution um, and, and potentially seeing where you might have some gaps or, or to your point down, maybe, maybe you have an oversaturation of one particular program. Well, and Della makes a good point when you talk about engagement and audits. I have been at institutions when they're really trying to determine the engagement of their students, they will do these kinds of audits to really figure out how are the students engaged and outside of the classroom, whether it's service learning, internships, you know, those sorts of things. And they'd be amazed when we started doing it. It was literally just a laundry list of all of these things that were happening on campus that people didn't necessarily know about. And we quickly realized is that a majority of the students were engaged in some sort of experience. We just didn't realize it because it was happening in so many different ways. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip ahead to, to a question related to what we just talked about. And you mentioned earlier, Dallin, the 1998 Boyer Commission's report where they had 10 suggestions and culminating a senior program culminating with the capstone experience was one of them and it further suggests that it be and i quote conducted under the mentorship of a seasoned scholar teacher who understands the joys and frustrations of a major project and ideally the mentor for the capstone course to be the student's major advisor or faculty member already familiar with his or her capabilities and experiences so that's the end of that quote so Mark Allen, I'll, I'll direct this to you. Is, is this fac faculty advisor role realistic in a modern research university? I'm thinking in particular of some of these big research universities with tens of thousands of students where the faculty may have more of a uh, cosmopolitan um, framework rather than a, a local framework. It's harder, harder to get to know the students in, in such a large institution like that. 
So does it have to be faculty? Well, I think there's a couple different things to think about. Um, certainly, you know, as you develop your even your advising models at institutions and large institutions, you know, faculty at that point and with seniors aren't aren't advising you to take this class or this class, right? Or how to complete your general ed. They're talking to you about what the next step is, and so it does require some. Uh, action on the student's part to either make an appointment with that faculty member or talk with their faculty members. But we know that a lot of students have that favorite faculty member who is that kind of that confidant, who is that advisor. Uh, but some schools are doing what they, they're calling senior executive coaches, right? And so it could be a faculty member, it could be a staff member, it could be an administrator who serves as a coach. We often think about freshman mentors, right? You know, and getting that freshman ready to come in. Well, some schools are now looking at that coach to help them transition out. And they're talking about the things of, you know, how do you have that conversation with an employer? Have you explored what benefits are, what you need? Have you thought about where in the country you wanna live and work? Have you thought about, you know, those career kinds of things? Do you know how all that's gonna fit? And so I think that it, it can really be a lot of different people depending upon the outcome of that experience. What do you want them to learn? If it's a curricular piece, it really does have to be their faculty member, right? I mean, it's got to be somebody who knows their discipline, knows the experience, can connect with them. If we're trying to treat, teach them some of those essential skills that can happen outside of the classroom, then that coach could be lots of different people. It might be a faculty member. It might be the director of student activities. It might be, you know, the vice president. I mean, it could be lots of different people really depending upon, again, what is your outcome? What are you trying to ensure that the student experiences before they leave the institution? Um, and a lot of it, you know, if you think about it for years, that's a lot of that's been going on informally. I mean, when I was an undergrad, I had the opportunity to have conversations with the Dean of Students and the Vice President. You know, I was a student leader, you know, I would go and talk with them and have that. And so some of that was happening on a very informal basis. I think now as we really try to figure out how to help our students take those next steps. And, and it's a lot more complicated world in some respects. And so we need to have more of those conversations with them. We need to get more practical um, and help them understand that what they're learning in the classroom has a practical application. And this is how you might think about doing it. Yeah, I really like what Mark Allen said there at the end in terms of like the practical, a uh, real world application. I, I had the opportunity to, to have a conversation about senior capstone experiences with with some scholars in the field and we were, uh, were kind of gathered around a table and one of the things that kept coming up when we were talking about, you know, how, do, how does this matter, why does this matter, how should they be structured, was this idea of authenticity. And so I like this idea that it depends on what we're trying to achieve. If it's about, if it's, if it's, if it's clearly academic and it's a capstone that will uh, set somebody up to go to graduate or professional school, probably it has to be a, an academic, it has to be a faculty member. But if it's an internship kind of a capstone experience, um, sometimes those adjunct faculty who are actual practitioners in the field probably matter more than somebody who's doing research on the field simply because the students see that person's experience and the, and the perspectives that they bring as more authentic and more um, actionable and, and practical. Um, if it's about some of these, uh, the, the skills, um, those of us who uh, work in student affairs um, are, 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 are probably going to be able to do a very good job that way. Um, when I, I also think 
about this in terms of, you know, we talked about high impact practices in terms of the kind of these eight tenets of high impact practice where, you know, there's real world application, there's opportunities for feedback and for reflection and, and, and talking about substantive things. So I think about, you know, if, if I'm any of these people from the different professional walks of life who are helping um, achieve these uh, or, or deliver these senior capstone experiences, you know, how can I deliver on these um, high quality educational experiences so that the students can get the, the most out of the out of it uh, from from participation. So you mentioned earlier, one of you mentioned earlier in the episode, the concept of e-portfolios, which I believe has become the 11th high impact practice, right? Yeah. Um, so that's one example of technology. Maybe one of you can, can share like what might be in such an e-portfolio uh, and, and other ways that technology can be incorporated or have or you've seen used in, in these senior year capstone experiences. Uh, I can talk a little bit. I mean, I've used e-portfolios for students to um, one, document, you know, papers and reflective papers in them, but I've seen them also include uh, pictures from their service experiences. So I went out, I spent the day doing this. It, it's a picture of them doing it or pictures of when they've done group projects. And one of the classes I teach is about the group projects. And so they have to some, do some visualization activities. Well, that's part of that portfolio. Um, you know, that reflection piece, some of them with their study broads, if they do that, they'll include pictures, their reflection papers. Um, you know, we've seen a lot in some cases, a lot of our students are really engaged by service projects. And so they'll put that out there. And so here's a video when I, you know, my class built a house. I mean, that sort of a thing where they're, they're, they're really making it live so that it's more than just simply, you know, a collection of here's all the papers I've written, right? An mm -hmm. e-portfolio is, and the technology allows them to document things in ways, you know, we haven't before and so they can do that video they can do those pictures there could be blog posts there could be you know forums there there could be all kinds of pieces and parts um, to help them do that um, in electronic way that can be easily stored easily shared with other people so that you might share it with an employer you might share it with a graduate school um, you know there could be a, a video component in there where there's there's a lot of programs now in schools that are actually having students submit videos as part of an application process to, to graduate school or, or any of those sorts of things. And so that technology then becomes really relevant. I think it becomes relevant too from a creativity perspective because the students are finding the new ways to be creative. They're the ones that are taking advantage of the technology and using it to their benefit and to their advantage. And they know now some of that you have to help them manage content. You know, you don't always, you know, want some funky chap snap with a weird filter or something like that, <laughs> but, but it is getting them to use the technology to really express themselves in an appropriately creative way. Yeah, the other thing I'll say to, to add on to what Mark Allen has said is that the ePortfolio offers opportunities to, to gather um, a lot of different things that we wouldn't be able to do in, in paper form. Um, but the real port, the, the real power of any portfolio, whether it's an e-portfolio or a traditional portfolio, is that uh, that reflective piece that Mark Allen talked about, and kind of like the integration of the uh, of the reflection. So, um, if I have if I have three service experiences, you know, how do these connect, and how do they connect to kind of these essential outcomes that we want to have from an undergraduate experience? And so, um, some of the more ex more effective ones that I've seen have some sort of a framework where um, either they have uh, 
critical competencies already listed out for the students and then they're connecting these experiences to those competencies or they have some sort of a, a framework where um, students can either or, or maybe pick and choose from from some critical competencies but then talk about how these things all work together to help that student um, earn that or develop that competency now i know it's a little bit beyond cap capstone or traditional capstone culminating experiences but mark allen what are some of the some examples of activities that might start to build this cohesion between seniors and alumni <laughs> Um, you know, what's interesting is as I, one of my former institutions literally started in the fall with the seniors and they did a joint service project with seniors and alumni. And that was the beginning of their senior experience. One, it was to build the connections and the relationships with alumni, kind of give them, you know, hey, while they're out doing a service project together, which is important to the community, it was also getting to know somebody to hear their story to get advice and so it was it was part of that that mapping piece right so they started with a joint service project they involved alumni then with like etiquette dinners networking receptions um you know kind of that executive coaching piece to kind of really begin to have you thought about do you uh, applying for a job do you know what things you need to do to apply to a job you know that sort of of a piece and students began to do some of those things together. Um, I've seen some institutions that one where we actually brought in different alumni to do a monthly seminar. So one month was just about insurance, right? So we brought in an alum who was from the insurance industry to talk about health insurance and to talk about, you know, why do I need dental insurance? And, you know, I mean, all those kinds of pieces, right? To help students really do that piece. And then the next one was financial planning. You know, the next one was how to negotiate a job and a salary and your benefits really making that that practical piece and it was interesting just to watch the students bond together right so they'd done this service project together and now they are seeing different alumni coming back into their lives and it might even only be for 30 minutes um, but it was a way to, for them to begin to build that kind of relationship um, for them because it's also helping them understand that they're becoming their own network you know as they go out the people that they know in college as they go out it, it will impact their lives in the future we all can talk about stories of and i'm i'm about to go visit a fraternity brother of mine from 20 years ago in australia well you know that's a networking that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't done some of those things together and i think there's a lot of opportunities for students to do that it might be some schools do kind of like that mid-year retreat and try to get them in the in the framework of we're now transitioning out and what's that going to be, you know, because seniors are dealing with adjustment issues and do I really want to leave college and oh, it's a big scary world out there um, and begin to help them manage that in sorts of ways. I've also seen them do um, some schools, particularly um, content discipline based, will take the seniors on a study abroad experience. Right. And they go and they might do a spring break together. Right. So they might do service learning over a spring break tie it back to something within their major and so that the students are there together, they're thinking, they're, they're getting some of that coaching, they're kind of moving them along to the next step. So I think there's lots of different models out there. The creativity can really, uh, really be however the institution and the students can put that together. So Dallin, I, I know that the research that you did probably presented many more questions than, than uh, you uncovered through the research. What, what's, what are some areas that, that you think deserve some attention in future research? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I think I'd like to see some more research 
about um, you know we, I talked about the, these this typology that we came up with. Um, I'd like to see more research that connects participation in specific capstone types to different domains of learning. You know, if you do an experiential learning like student uh, student teaching, do you have different uh, learning outcomes in different domains? I think that would be really instructive and informative to um, figure out how we can best position people and best position these capstones to achieve the learning goals that we have. Um, I would also like to go deeper, and this is kind of goes back to uh, something we talked about earlier, is like about the badges, but about capstone experiences themselves. Like, how much difference do they make in terms of like skill development versus their influence on confidence and self-efficacy? You know, does it really does it does it matter more that uh, we're 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 helping students feel better about the experience and, and giving them confidence and tools to talk about what they're learning than it is about uh, an actual like. We're, we're, develop, we're, we're delivering uh, content and we're developing skills per se in that course because chances are we're not developing critical thinking in, in one semester at the end of the undergraduate experience. We're developing it all along the, 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 the totality of the experience. Um, and then we, we, we hinted at this earlier. Um, Mark Allen brought this up in terms of like who has access to these? Who, you know, are they widespread? And are there, are there certain population groups who do or don't have access or aren't taking advantage of these capstone experiences? You know, they've been listed as a high impact practice. We know that students who participate in high impact practices, all students get a bump, but students from underrepresented uh, groups get an extra bump for participating in these high impact practices. So, you know, figuring out who, who has access, um, how they find their way into them. Um, and then I also think that this also hints at some sort of a hit, the, the hidden curriculum, so to speak, of colleges. Um, so we need to find out, we need to do research to figure out how we can make these things um, equitably distributed to all groups of students. And then if there are certain outcomes that are, that, that are, that are coming of this, we need to figure out how we can make those experiences explicit and, uh, and, and, and help students understand the, the, the benefit of that, especially those students who might not have the same cultural or navigational capital uh, as some majority students do. Just a, so, couple, just a couple ideas. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to be mindful of time here, and, and we're winding down to, to the end of the hour. So if you could take, each take you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds to share some resources, maybe website, books, conferences, newsletters that can help viewers continue to learn about and explore the topics covered during today's show. That would be fantastic. We will tweet out as many as we can, and we will certainly capture them and throw them back onto the website so folks who are viewing the archive can, can link to some of these uh, resources. So Mark Allen, you want to start us off? Um, I was going to say, I know Dallin's got a lot of them from, from what he's put together. I think that there's lots of discussions now um, going on in conferences, and so I think pay attention as you're going to conferences and be able to see that um, more people are talking about this and how we're working with, with this particular group of students. And so I would pay attention to what's happening in conference and conference proceedings. I think that's probably some of the best things. The other thing what I do is I just go onto the web and I literally start typing in essential skills, senior experiences, and start looking at what other schools are doing. University of Arizona, uh, John Jay in New York City. There's lots of schools that are doing some really interesting things that I think uh, folks might find valuable. So. Yeah, um, I'll talk about kind of uh, maybe two two different types of things. One is you know to echo Mark Allen in terms of like find out what's what's going on there in terms of conferences. Um, we the National Resource Center every fall puts on a Students in Transition conference. 
um, in 2018. It will be in Indianapolis. So I will look forward to seeing you all there. Um, the I, I, AAC and you, uh, they typically uh, talk frequently about senior capstone experiences as be, as they've named them as a high impact practice. They've, they've done a lot of work to, to further the, that cause. Um, I'll, I'll also um, kind of give a shout out to Elon University. They do a, a research symposium every year and the, the, the topic that they're going to tackle this next year is on senior capstone experiences. So if any of the people who are listening today um, would like to get involved, I think they're still, I'm, I don't know exactly when the deadline is, I could probably look that up, but they're, uh, they're looking for people who want to do good research on student caps, on senior capstone experiences. Uh, the other thing that I'll say is, um, you know, shameless self-promotion is that the research report, uh, you can order it now on, online. Um, it will uh, deliver, I said, probably in the next couple of weeks. Um, but this, the National Resource Center has also published a couple of other books on the senior capstone. One is uh, Writing in the Senior Capstone. It's by uh, Tracy Skipper and Leah Masiello. Um, it's a it's a really good book. It's got a lot of practical suggestions. It's about writing in the senior capstone, but I think a lot of the concepts can be applied to other aspects of the senior year. And then finally, uh, this is kind of like a, a heavy hitters of a book on the senior year. It's got people who are big names in the world of student transition research, uh, like Stuart Hunter, Jennifer Coy, Jillian Kinsey, uh, a lot of uh, people who contributed throughout that, this book as well in the senior year, uh, another great resource. Wow, I'm going to have to add them to my bookshelf. And if you've got room on your bookshelf, Mark Allen, um, <laughs> maybe throw them out there. Fallon, Mark Allen, thank you so much for sharing your, your time and, and knowledge today. You've definitely got my head spinning um, with, with thoughts on how we can do this better uh, at my institution. Uh, Keith Edwards will be back next week to discuss the importance or lack thereof of pursuing a doctorate degree for student affairs practitioners should, should prove to be an interesting episode. You can receive reminders about this and other great shows by subscribing to the Higher Ed Live newsletter. You can also browse the archives at higheredlive.com or subscribe to our iTunes podcast. I'm Tony Duty. Thanks for watching, everyone. I hope you make it a great week, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Take care.